0: God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church Broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor-teacher Dr. Jane Sutton. That Paul understands because he's a Jew, And it's with the Gentiles. And you know, uh, Sister Karen, and and again, I'm going to feedback uh, from anybody that wants to talk about this that's here. Um, The Jews were the chosen people, right, Karen? Yeah. I can't hear you. Yes. So the Jews were the chosen people. Why were they chosen, Freedom?
1: Because God sovereignly said so.
0: So the Jews weren't necessarily chosen because they were better than anybody else right Right. and before Abraham was a Jew he was a what Gentile. he was a Gentile good so God sovereignly chose Abraham to be the man to which the nation would come through to which the Savior would come through but it's not because they were a special people they were special because of what what made them special did you say it already God that- Because they were chosen by God. I want you to hang on to that in your mind. They are special because God chose them. There's nothing in them that makes them special other than God choosing them. So let's think about it for us. What makes us special, Karen?
1: What makes us special? Yeah. Because he chose
0: us. Because he chose us. So the Gentile church... And the Jews have something in common because we're not special or righteous under our own uh, power. It's nothing in us that we bring to the table for God. Right. And, and, and there lies the problem because the Jews being chosen, what happens when you normally chosen? What happens to you? To your psych- psychological disposition towards other people? What happens to you? You think you're special. You think you're special. You begin to look at other people and say, I'm special and you're not. And see, when the Jews started doing that, plus the religion, plus not coming to God by faith, they began to use their religion and the works and the ceremonies to say they're special. And they were supposed to be an example of the grace and the goodness of God to bring people in. So instead of bringing people in with the ceremonies, what did they do? Excluded people, Excluded people and push people out. People didn't come to God because of, their, of watching them do good because not only did they do the ceremonies that God had gave them to do, they started practicing the ceremonies of the Gentile nations. So they lost their specialness. They lost what they were supposed to be because they were supposed to be, we're light into the world, right? They were supposed to be light into the world. They were supposed to bring everybody into Jerusalem to worship. Right. We don't have a geographical place. We don't bring people to Jerusalem. We bring people to who? We bring people to Christ. So it's not a location. It's not a mountain. It's not a church. It's to a person, right? Mm -hmm. They were supposed to bring people to God. But when they brought people in, they brought them to religion. A lot of churches do that. You get caught up in 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 the formality of their religion and think that that's God and that's not God. Per se. You follow me? And when you think you're better than other people, you lead them down a wrong path. Because you lead them away from God into self-righteousness. Because if I told you, Karen, and I'm basing this point on what you said, if you do certain things inside a church, then you're considered okay, right? But that has nothing to do with God. You can practice all the rituals church has and do them all perfectly, but God is not necessarily impressed. He's only impressed at the level of your obedience to his word. That's the only way he's impressed. And being obedient to his word in particular, not so much the Old Testament, but obedient to what the New Testament says. Jesus tells you are his disciples because you obey him. And obeying him means that you will submit yourselves to his word and his principles. Okay. So in 18, he's trying, what Paul is trying to do is say, look, we had our shot and we lost it. But God is so gracious that he plans on bringing us back, but not until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So you were selected first. You dropped the ball. They bring in the quote unquote second team in order, not in not in quality in order and your rebellion brought them in under grace and mercy and under us, under grace and mercy mm-hmm. they'll be brought in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See their rebellion gave us a chance and our rebellion gonna give them a chance. Yeah. <laughs> because we can't say, sit here and say that we take care of grace and mercy like we should. I'm still impacting the magnitude of grace and mercy. But grace and mercy, everybody in this room takes advantage of it in the wrong way at some point in time. Because we do continue in sin, knowing, hoping and knowing that God is going to give us grace and mercy. But we don't have to. Let sin have no more dominion over you. But, but the, the greater part about grace and mercy is, is that he has enough of it to cover every sin that we do and to give every person that's breathing an opportunity to come in, including the Jews and that's what Paul is trying to get them to understand that you hated what God wanted to bring in through you and sometimes in church we have to be careful about identifying ourselves with the organization and the people and not the message that God is trying to run through us so those who who hear the word of God, the gospel, might be saved. We can't get caught up in the politics of church because that'll turn somebody off. We can't get caught up in the hierarchy of protocol to the point that we lose the essence of what we're supposed to be doing. It is now replacing what the Jews did by grace and mercy, not law, because we're not under law, we're under grace, but telling people how good God is that even though the Jews our position is even though the Jews were set aside for a period of time such as this such as now they're going to get another chance and be brought back in the last shall be first and the first shall be last Mm -hmm. they're going to be the last ones brought in by this new covenant of grace but it's up to us to not get arrogant and learn from their mistakes and realize we were brought in by grace too so there's not a ritual law or law or, or, or disposition that we do in the church that makes us right with God. It still is an act of God, and what we do is respond to his goodness. We respond to his goodness, and that either saves us or condemns us, okay? So let's go to Romans 10.18. I want to start there, 10.18. 10, 10, 18 I'll start first. Let's say... But I ask, but I'm reading out the ESV, but I ask have they not heard? Indeed, indeed they have heard. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So what did they, what did we, what did they assume that they didn't hear? What what, what they asked the questions, did they not hear? And the answer is yes, they heard. So what is it that they should have heard that they heard with their ears but not heard with their heart? What was it? What do you think it is? The gospel. The gospel. Did they not hear the gospel that went out? And you might say, well, there was no gospel in the Old Testament. Please mute your phone. There is no gospel in the Old Testament. Yes, it is. Because as we learned in Joshua, God continued to give them grace and mercy and said what he will do for them. That he will drive out the people out of Canaan. He will go before them. That's grace and mercy. They didn't earn the right to, for, to the promised land. It's what God promised Abraham. So have they heard about the God who keeps his promises? Yes, they have. But their only problem is they did not want the Gentiles to be part of it, even though the Old Testament says that the Gentiles are going to come to God. So have they not heard? Of course. What did Jesus, what did God say? Uh, what did Jesus tell them in uh, Matthew chapter 23? He told them about what? He said that they will go. He told them to tell the gospel there in Judea and Israel, but then go make disciples of what? All nations. See, it's, it's, it's the fact that the message of the gospel of God's goodness to reconcile the, those who believe back to him is what we preach and teach. We don't teach how to get a new job. We don't teach how to have a better life. We don't teach how to have a better marriage because without salvation, none of that makes any difference. Well, so many churches are preaching the sociological, the psychological, and not preaching what's the spiritual problem with what is the problem with marriages? Their relationship with God. What is the problem with the world? It's relationship with God. So if we take it to the source, instead of trying to dance around it and say we can do this without God, we can't. So what is the message that you're listening to? Is it a message of self-reliance, self-righteousness? You know, or as a message of humility, servitude, humbleness, understanding and obeying Jesus, becoming a servant that's willing to sacrifice. The Greek word of obey is kind of interesting because it means, Nancy, it means that you are willing to sit under. So you see the word obey It's like, okay, you obey. You're willing to submit and sit under a word. The word obey, we get our word acoustics from. So are you willing to sit under this word? under the sound of your teacher okay that's where we get that from alright pick up at verse 19 But I ask did Israel not
1: understand
0: okay did Israel not understand well what we know in history when we read Joshua they understood to a point but even when they left Egypt God had told them that they would rebel against him But God kept his promise. See, this is the greatest thing about God to me. No matter how bad I sin, his goodness is greater. No matter how bad I fall short, no matter how I miss the mark, his goodness is greater. And his goodness leads me to the obedience of repentance. Romans 2 and 4. And see, that's what he's trying to get the Jews to understand. You're not tossed aside like to never get back. All you need to do is turn to the provision that God has given us through Jesus so that you can get back where you belong. And the two shall become one man. We will all be, we got grafted in, they got cut off, but they may be regrafted in because they believe and will sit under Jesus. Their problem is Jesus did not come like they wanted him to come. And so in our problem. Because what we try to do is make Jesus somebody he's not to be more palatable to our senses. We want to make Jesus look beautiful, and the Bible clearly says he was nothing to look at. We want to make him uh, 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 this 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 figure that we see in a painting, but he was not like that. He was the same Jesus. We make him Jesus of love, but he's the same Jesus that whipped him out of his temple. So Jesus was a rugged man. He was a carpenter. He was a man's man. But he was a gentle man when it came to dealing with the sick and the lost. And so should we. We should be gentle in dealing with the sick and the lost. So did they hear? Yes, they heard. Did they not understand? Of course they didn't understand. Why? Because, keep reading.
1: First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation.
0: Okay, he said he's going to make them jealous, right? Why is he gonna make them jealous, Karen? Why? Why did God decide to make uh, Israel jealous of, of the nations? And you got to remember, when you say nations, think of Gentiles. Why did God decide that He needed to make them jealous of other nations? Because He can
1: use whoever He please. Mm-hmm. To, for an
0: example, He can use everywhere every He pleased For example, give me an example where God used a person. And that person got mad because that person wouldn't save the Gentile nation. Who we just studied? Jonah. Jonah Jonah was jealous, wasn't he? Because he did not want them to come in. So what God did, because of their disobedience, he went to the Gentiles and said, I tell you what, I'm going to give to the Gentiles what you were trying to obtain through law. I'm going to give it to them through grace and mercy. So you telling me that to be right with God, I don't have to do the law that the Jews do? Of course not. Because we're in a better covenant. You mean I'm a child of Abraham, not because of blood, but because of faith in who? Jesus Christ. But as a Jew, you can understand. You don't want to. Heck, heck no. We've been your chosen people for, for thousands of years. And here comes the Gentiles. Which, yeah, we saw it in our scripture, but we didn't believe it. We're going to ignore it. We're not going to let them in. We're going to look down upon them. We're going to treat them like dogs because we're the chosen of God. But it's, it's interesting to me. Those who are chosen tend to be tend to be the most darkest. Because that scripture that me and Nancy like, men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The, the religious part of man's deeds are evil and they like that because if I can do religion and you got to come to me to get the religion, then I can lord over you. But see, when I point you to Jesus, I can't lord over you because he's God. It puts all of us. We all come to the cross as sinners. They heard the message, but they missed it. Keep reading. 20. Um,
1: So with the foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me.
0: So in in Isaiah, he's saying, prophesied, that I prophesied to the Jewish nation, and they ignored me. Remember, we 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 stood. We understood that that back that the, all the prophets have said you, Jeremiah, you have killed all the prophets of God. Jesus said you killed all my prophets. You killed all the wise men. You killed all the people I sent to you to warn you, to save you, to instruct you. And you killed them all. But guess who's listening? The nation who was not my nation, a people who was not my people. And, I, and, and I'm and i going to bless them because they're willing to hear the message of grace and salvation and ignore the works based religion that you do. See, as a church, it's our job to teach grace and faith and repentance. It's not our job to teach them how to walk up and down the aisles and stand with their hands behind their back so they get a false security in the form and fashion and never get to the faith. Because the Bible tells us it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. So even when we do our rituals, even when we do our form and fashion, we don't raise that above the faith in the one who who allows us to do it on the cross. He didn't command that we stand with our hands behind our back and pass out a plate. He commanded that we tell everybody about the goodness of Jesus, which is the power to salvation, the gospel, the good news, that, that, that God sent his son to die for sinners. And I know that's a, that we repeat that over and over again, but, the, but that unpacks everything else. Because if God sent his son to die for sinners and he says, I gave this gospel to the Jews first and now to the Gentiles, he's always been a God about grace. Even in his chastisement, the Bible says he chastised those he loves. We read also that they should have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, but God kept his promise to Abraham that there will always be a remnant. Now, because you may be a remnant in chronological time, that don't mean you special either. Right. <laughs> you don't deserve to be a remnant. God sovereignly selects his remnants. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to do what remnants do. Okay, but it's not because even the prophet who brings the word of God has to suffer with the nation. He doesn't get set aside and say, okay, you gave the word, didn't nobody listened, so I'm going to put you on the hill and you ain't got to deal with this. See, we got those who are suffering out of disobedience and we got those, Sister Nancy, suffering in obedience. And it looks the same, but it's not to God. Both of us are going through the same suffering. All of us are going through Corona. There are those who are going through this virus in disobedience. And they were living in disobedience before the virus. But then there are those because of this. Now watch this. Let's show you how good God is. Remember, I always tell you guys that there's nothing that God won't do to get your attention. And I really mean that, including take, including, please mute your phone, including take your life. Or take a life of your loved ones. Including take the life of a loved one. Okay. Now think about this. The coronavirus. Has stopped a whole bunch of people. From sinning. It has because HIV stopped for a minute. makes you have to think about having sex with so many people without protection. But now this thing that we got now here, you ain't got to have sex with them. You just can talk to them and kill them. So now, not only do you not want to take the chance of getting infected through a sexual disease, you don't want to take a chance and breathe it on somebody too hard. And with that, that puts so see, think about this. God has put us into a position of social distancing so that we may get closer to him. See, you got to see God's face in this. The devil ain't in this. God is allowing this. The devil can't do nothing like this. He wants the people to social distance from each other and find him. So have they not heard? Oh yes, they have now. (laughs) Yes, they have now, and let me tell you saints, it's really showing what you made of yeah. Yeah. because you got to do it something you know necessarily without the the, the fellowship of the dist- of the closeness of physical contact with your church. okay so have they not heard? Yes, I, he said, look, I went to a people who did who are not my people, but heard my message. So it it tells you the most important thing you got in you is not coming to me and telling me you saved and not coming to me and and telling me scared that you sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. You need to tell somebody else who's not. Because you my people. We all the same people. You encourage us, but the practice of your exaltation should be to those who don't believe. Okay? Go ahead, read. Next. But of Israel, he
1: says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary
0: people. All day long. Now think about what God is saying. God is saying all day long. Now, now think about this. He's saying, while the light has been bright, I have held out my love, my, my grace, and my mercy to the people that I selected, and they turned their back on me. I've held out my hand to disobedient people. But see, I don't see no difference than, than, than us in the church, Mr. Brown. All day long, God has continued to hand to, to, to hold out his hand to some of us saints and, and, and we just keep slapping his hand back. We just keep slapping his hand back because it's too hard for us to be disobedient because obedience is not fun. Sin is. And sin creates a hungry in you for more sin. That will never be satisfied. And God keeps holding his hands out. And like I say. The sin is so. Makes you so hungry. So depraved. That the only thing can be satisfied to a sinner. Is what he fears the most. The exposure of his sin. And then. Being fed at the table of God. But see why you take the bitter pill. God said, I got a table full of grace. I got a table full of mercy. And the dessert on top of his table that he's prepared for all of us who will save is eternal life. That's what's waiting for you. After you dine on grace and mercy and love and sacrifice and all that stuff, God has a, a dessert with a cherry on top called eternal life. A, a life beyond this life that you will never really taste death other than your physical body. Absent from this body is present with the Lord. They knew all of that and they still drop the ball, Sister Brown. So my question is are we going to end up like them? Because we got what they missed out on and we see it in writing. They live through it and we have not only their words but his New Testament words and we still don't understand that if we're not careful that ship can sell on by us too. That ship can sell on by us too. Because what we tell people in kindness but in error in actuality is that as long as you breathe in God is willing to give you grace and that's not true because then there'll be no point for turning you over to a reprobate mind right there'll be no point in him saying that that you can continue to sin to a point that he'll turn you over to whatever you want to do and once he turns you over there is no turning back but the but but our problem is his grace is so great we look at other people and and say, well, God gave him five chances. He going to give me five chances. But see, he may, for his purpose, he might give you just one. You see, you got to look at grace as whatever I got, I need to take advantage of it in a way that brings me closer to God versus I'll get another shot another day. Because he may say, you know what? For you? Yeah, because I know where you're going with this. And I've shown you myself and I've shown you how good I've been to you. And you still want to slap my head and be a disobedient people, a stiff necked people. So I'm going to let you do what you do. I'm going to let you continue in sin. But God gonna get the glory out of that because in your chastisement and punishment. That person who gets grace and mercy sees how powerful God is. See, we only can appreciate God's power of grace and mercy if we understand the punishment. Because if there was no punishment, there was no reason to understand how magnanimous grace and mercy is. You see? So it's the opposite thing that shows us God's power. Like he said, I even rose up Pharaoh to show my power. But, he, but Pearl was a, Pharaoh kept his people in bondage for 400 years. But what was the greater thing? That he sent one man back to save them all. So because they were in a situation of sin, and that's what I want to tell you. If you are living in sin and practicing sin, God has sent one man back to get you right. And that's Jesus. And all our job is to tell people that. To tell people that. Tell them the truth. You may not have tomorrow. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow. I know you don't want to tell people that, but if you tell them the truth, they might get saved. Okay, go ahead. Okay, well, let's look at something. Let's look at Psalms 19 and 4. Let's let's look about this voice. Have you heard it? So it really depends. It says faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. 19 and 4 is where he got most of the uh, passage that we just read. 19 and 4. Go ahead. Psalms 19 and 4.
1: Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world.
0: So, okay, go ahead.
1: In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them.
0: So we have this, this, this tent that God was in, but what comes out is words. And it's bright like the sun. Right. But we know we just read that they rejected Jesus. So, again, the light can be shining on you. The light was shining on the nation of Israel to give that light away. But they did not give the light away because their darkness of their religion prevented them from seeing that they needed to approach all that God had given them to do by faith. Because all the rituals that they practiced all all pointed to Jesus. They were a shadow of the reality of Jesus to come. And they missed it because their practice became their purpose and not their faith. See, they had to have faith when Moses walked up to that river, walked up to that sea. And and the Egyptians were chasing him, right? There was no ritual. It was can and will God deliver us? And at that time where they were backed up against the wall, you know there was murmuring that, you know, we're about to die out here because there's no way that we're gonna get across. See, getting us out of Egypt was one thing. Getting us across the sea is a whole nother thing. And the Bible teaches us is anything too hard for God, no. But what God did is allow them to get in a situation where their backs was against the wall, literally, and danger was coming down upon them, And they had had no faith, but one man had faith, and they crossed over the dry land. Because it was upon Moses' faith, even though they had seen all the plagues and all the stuff God had done and all the killing that God had done back in Egypt, they still didn't have faith. But Moses had enough faith to get them across. So have you heard? Yes, you've heard. You heard the faith of Moses, of one man's faith that saved the nation. And even though that man has the credit for saving the nation and he wrote the laws, when he was disobedient, it didn't allow him to see the promised land. See, God is equal in this sense. Just because he was Moses, he had to be obedient, too. Okay, just because you Moses, just because you a pastor, just because you ordained, we have to be even more obedient. Because it's like oil running down the beard of Aaron. As, 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 as the clergy, as I am obedient to God, that is supposed to run down to you. But you're still going to be held accountable for your own obedience. I'm going to be held accountable for teaching you to obey. And never telling you not to under no circumstances. Let's go to Isaiah 53 and 1. And this goes back to who has believed. Isaiah 53 and one
1: who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him Mm -hmm. and no beauty that we should desire him.
0: So in other words, it's going, that's when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is nothing special. What was special about Jesus was his message. What was special about Jesus not his miracles. His miracles was his calling card. But his deliverance came through his message. And see, you're still looking for miracles when you need to be focused on the message. Because that's the only thing you got power in. Your power is in not wishing to perform miracles. Your power is in your ability to tell people the unadulterated truth about a God that wants to save them. And give them eternal life through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, when you tell people that, my I found out when you tell people just that, they're easily to accept that that you start talking about religious stuff. You know what I'm saying? Instead of you sitting there talking about what your church doing, what you, tell them the gospel truth so they can get saved and we can work out all that religious stuff later. And the less religious stuff you have that you show that you rely on and the more grace and mercy that you will give every brother and sister in Christ. Galatians 6 and 1. uh, Karen, go to Galatians 6 and 1 and read that. Mm -hmm.
1: Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted.
0: So our job is once we give the gospel, there are going to be those inside the body of Christ who's going to trespass, right? For those, and this is only for those of us who are spiritual. Now, isn't that interesting? There's a distinction in the body of Christ for those who are spiritual and those who are carnal. Mm-hmm. Those who are carnal don't even, don't want nobody restored. They want to put the thumb down on them, Sister Karen. Yeah. Put the Hey, put your knee on your neck. <laughs> until, until you do what they say. Mm-hmm. The ones who are spiritual doesn't take a transgression personally. I don't take it personally if whatever I teach you, you do the opposite of it. My job is to say, even though you may have done, been disobedient to the teaching of the word of God, it's okay because I have to give you grace and mercy. I have to look for a way to restore you. Restore you doesn't mean you're not going to be sanctioned, disciplined, or nothing like that. What it means is whatever we do to somebody because we're spiritual is to bring them back in. See, Israel was supposed to bring the Gentile nation to God. That's their, that was their job. Their job was to be different from the world, and then the world would be attracted to God because of them. But because of them, the Bible says the Gentiles blaspheme in the name of God because they were living hypocritical lives. They were worshiping at the synagogue one day and throwing their kids up to, for auction and to, to Moab the next. And some of you live like that. You're living in a carnal camp and still doing the stuff that you used to do when you were unsaved and your relationship with God is still that that superficial thing versus having the faith and the maturity and the spirituality to realize that God has been good. Like Vera said, God has been good to you in spite of you, not because of you. And because he's been that good to us, We tell other people about how good he is. And when I can tell you a story about how God saved me and my sin, how he prepared the table of grace, mercy, and sanctification and love for my sin, and that I can dine on it and never, ever be hungry again. But when I was living in sin, I never was satisfied. And so when Israel lived in sin, think about this, when they rejected God, which we see that Moses told them they were going to do, they never got satisfied with whatever they practiced from another nation. This is They did what this nation did. Maybe we'll get closer to God. Maybe we'll have a lot of stuff. And it was always a materialistic thing. It really wasn't about getting in touch with the spirit. It was about we're the chosen of God, so we should have what they have. So their biggest problem was what? What was their biggest problem out of the Ten Commandments? What was their biggest problem? Thou should not what? Covet. Your biggest problem is covetousness. See, covetousness leads to everything else. Covetousness leads to adultery. Covetousness leads to fornication. Covetousness leads to all kind of sin. Even Paul said, I was good till they said thou should not covet. We're good till you get to thou should not covet. And if you say in your heart, your honest, sinful heart, that you ain't never coveted something that you, And coveting is wanting something that don't belong to you and you should not have and you see other people got and that's why you want it and it can lead to you doing some things to get it that you're not supposed to do. You know, lying about your education, lying about, your you know, there's a whole bunch of things that go into covetousness that starts us down this path. Well, they wanted to be so right with God and want the nations to. They thought that they could go into the nations and change the nations, but the nations changed them because they chased what they believed the nations had. They chased what the nations had material wise, even though God had promised them just do what I say and you have all the things your heart desires. I'll give you the land. I'll give you the gold. And they had a history of Joshua where that was going on, but even that historical background didn't hold them long enough. All oh, you need a couple generations and it's like what Pharaoh did. There was a a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. Yeah. Well, there are there's a group of people didn't didn't know didn't know they knew of Joshua, but Times had changed, but they had turned their back on God long before, after Joshua was gone. And they were reaping the repercussions of turning away from God. Okay? They were reaping the repercussions. Go to Acts, Nancy. Go to Acts. We almost done. Acts 18 and 8. Because I want to show you that even when Jesus came and Paul was teaching, there were some Jews that got saved. There were some that came in. And this is an example in Acts where Paul, in his preaching of the gospel, shows that even a house got saved. All right, go ahead. Start 18. 18 and 8.
1: Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord.
0: Stop. So he was an important person. He was like a pastor. He was the ruler of the synagogue, but was a Jew. The fact that he's in the synagogue means that he's a Jew. He had people followed him. He had people who trusted him. He had people who trusted in his Judaism. But when he heard what Paul had to say, and we know when Paul when Paul go went into a Gentile nation, because they were scattered, he would first go where? To the synagogue. And why would he go to the synagogue? Well, we've been reading all since uh, uh, 9, 10, 11. He wanted his brothers To hear the opportunity that they would have to become saved. He he went to the synagogue to tell them our Messiah has come and he's and he's and the gospel is the means by which you can be saved. You don't have to rely on the ritual to to save you because it never could. The law, the Bible says the law was the end. And the beginning of Jesus. The law, the law took them to a point and it, it should have took them to a point that led them to Jesus because they should look back at their own life and say, I've never did the law perfect. See, with the law, you have to be perfect. You don't get a second chance, Mr. Brown. There is no grace and mercy in law. It's only do it or die. Do it or be punished. So if you've been successful at bringing stuff to the altar 1,500 times and you miss twice, you done. You miss once, you done. Okay, grace don't work like that, because whatever you whatever you fall short, grace makes it up. And it's because of Jesus that we have this grace. See, wherever you fall short, what covers you between perfection and whatever you're doing by faith is the grace and mercy of God through his son, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus paid for your shortcomings on the cross. And that's what we tell people. Okay, go ahead. Start again.
1: Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household.
0: Stop right there. He believed in the Lord. Now remember, I want you to think about this. He heard, he had faith, he, he submitted. So believing is not just like this thing, I believe in the Lord. No, he trusted in God. He believed in the gospel. And his whole house began to get saved. Go ahead.
1: And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized.
0: So now it not only extended from the, the ruler in the synagogue in his house, but now it extended beyond his house because guess what Christmas became? A preacher of the gospel. So not only did his house get saved, but his synagogue got saved too. And many Corinthians, not Corinthians, Corinth is a Gentile nation. It's a Gentile city. But in that city was Jews. So not only did he go preach to the Gentiles in Corinth, but he also preached to the Jews in Corinth. And actually, from what I see right here, the Jews were doing better than the Gentile church was doing in Corinth. Because remember, First Corinthians told us a whole bunch of things that the church was doing. Okay? But we have to remember that 1st century church was a mixture of Jew and Gentile alike. Okay? So maybe... Some of the stuff that they were practicing and the mixed practicing that the Jews were doing when they got accepted to the church. And of course, because they think about this, they still who the chosen of God, right? Mm -hmm. So can you imagine when they when when they showed up at a church service, how they thought that they were special still? I'm the chosen of God. We're going to come and show you all how to be Jews. That And what we call them, the Judaizers. That will come behind Paul And try to interject Judaism into faith, grace, and mercy in the gospel. So even though they believed their flesh probably, when he went since he was a ruler, he doesn't want to step down and be a follower. The hardest thing for, for ministers and pastors to do, I've seen in bishops and all these other people, is to accept that sometimes they need to sit down under some other people and listen to them. That just because they have the title doesn't mean anything if they ain't saying nothing. Okay? It doesn't mean anything they have a title. It's like what are they teaching, okay? So the, 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 so we got many Corinthians say, keep reading. Man. The Lord
1: said to Paul one night in a vision.
0: So the Lord is now going to come to Paul after he successfully preached. Now we got to go back to what we said in the beginning. Have they not heard? And the answer is yes, they have. This is an example of of them hearing. Go ahead. What did What did Jesus say?
1: Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, mm-hmm. for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people.
0: Now, now we read, he's gonna bring the jealousy, the nation of Israel, to have a people who's not his people, right? And Jesus is coming to Paul in a vision after he preached the gospel saying, don't worry. You just keep keep preaching the gospel. Uh, Sister Karen, that's where we get in season, not a season kind of from. It's like, you just keep preaching. The right time is any time. You don't have to wait for a time. The right time is any time. You got somebody in front of you, tell them about how good Jesus is. Now, depending on how much time you have to tell them, you might just tell them that that Jesus is good, he wants to save you, and all you got to do is believe in his son. And then they might get curious and say, okay, you got more time to talk about this. But what he's telling Paul is, look, you keep preaching, there is going to be adversaries that come against you. But you keep on preaching, because I am with you. And in this period of time that you are doing what I said, because I told you how much you you would suffer for the sake of the gospel, you keep preaching the gospel, because the more you went over, the more they're going to hate you. We have more people who hate us because of the gospel than love us because of church. Because we challenge the teaching from scripture and not from our opinion. I don't have a blessing plan and neither do anybody else who tell you that. The only blessing plan is is God's blessing plan and his blessing plan is through Jesus. And the only way that we can access it is through faith and believe and submit to the sound, the words of the gospel, the words of this book. Okay, so now we're finished with chapter 10. And like I say, Paul is going to go into chapter 11, 9, 10 and 11 is about him trying to convince the Jews. One. They dropped a ball Two, God hasn't forgot about them, but three. Get off your high horse and accept the Gentiles. So what are we supposed to learn from this? What we're supposed to learn is we're now the chosen of God, we are the children of God, we are the children of light, and there, there should be no darkness in us dealing with other people who are not out, who are outside of the faith because we were outside. Don't let your disobedience be the reason why God gets this glory. Amen. Don't be the vessel made for for dishonor. But I mean, we have no control over that, but I'm saying don't purpose it. it. Yeah, Yeah. don't purpose disobedience knowing that God will get the glory out of my disobedience somehow. Because then that takes advantage of the fact that should, should sin abound in our life and that says God forbid. Okay? You don't use scripture and twist it in order to sin. Okay? And so many people I know that are part of the body because of some teaching they got they think they got forever they can continue to do what they want to do and God's going to accept them because he's love and I tell people this God's love is limited in this way God loved you enough to send his son to die for you that you might be saved if you don't accept God's love of his salvation then you have the God's wrath which is his hate And people say, well, God don't hate. We just read in the Bible. Esau loved. I mean, Jacob, I love Esau hated. Okay. God's hate is righteous. Our hate is, is, is subjective. You know, but I'm just telling you, have you heard? Yes, you've heard. Will you obey? I don't know, but don't be like Israel church. Don't be like Israel. Don't sit back and, and have all this word being taught to you and, and things you can be exposed to and you can still continue to live out your life in a sinful way thinking that God is going to give you a second chance at mercy. You might not be saved if you continue to live in sin. That's what the Bible teaches. That if you continue to live that way, you might not be saved. Your lifestyle is sinning and you made and you got comfortable with what you've done is sear your conscience and say and the way you see your conscience, the first thing on a person who sears their conscience will say, I ain't like them. God know my heart. I'm a work in progress. That's what, that's what true rebellious sinners say. What a saved person would say would be, oh my God, they fall on their face and say, Lord, forgive me. Let me repent. Let me turn. God said it back in the, in the Old Testament and then we done. He said, if my people who are called by my name, shall turn, shall what? Humble themselves. But the key word is humility and turning. He didn't say practice a ritual better. He didn't say go kill some more oxes and stuff. He said turn back to me, the one who has been faithful to you. Go back home and be with your bride and quit running around with these holes in the street. And I mean that in a spiritual way and a natural way too, okay? So before somebody get upset, I mean in a spiritual way. Qu- there's nothing in these streets. You need to be home with your and if you home with your God. Amen. That's what you need to be home with. All right? Let's pray. Oh, grace and heavenly Father, I just thank you. Pastor Jay with Walking Truth Radio Podcast and Senior Pastor of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I want to thank you today for tuning in and I want to praise you for praying for this ministry. We are growing by leaps and bounds. If you would like to support this ministry and give a donation, look in the description. We have Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. But most importantly, we need your prayers. So I just want to thank you again for coming along on this journey and we will see you on the other side.